who gives me wings to take me higher, whom I love and honor and win everything I have. Anytime you have the opportunity to bless your wife publicly, that's a score. All right, so we're ready. Hey, welcome everybody watching us by live stream. We're so glad you're there. We're so glad you're here. Um, This is a really special morning. Uh, We're doing questions and answers on dating. She's getting closer to me. By by the end, after we're done, we're going to be about five feet apart. So uh, we're doing, um, (laughs) it all begins well. Uh, We're we're doing uh, questions on dating, marriage, and sex. Watch, that'll get everybody's attention. I'll just say the word sex, and sex and the move will will come down. So uh, we got a group of questions. Hey guys, if you could make it into the room sometime, that would be great, because we're gonna start, and you might wanna hear these questions. So my beloved wife and I are gonna take some time here, and we're going to answer questions. And I defer to Sherry, and I really wanted her here, because she has a lot to say, and she's extremely wise on some of these subjects, and uh, so I just want to encourage you, so if you'd okay. like to, you can pick whatever question you want and uh, start that way. All right, so I'm starting off the cards, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All righty, so the first question that we're going to do, you know you guys could come this way a little bit. I can't see you. There's like three people in the center, four, excuse me, there's four. <laughs> there's going to be five. Hey, all righty, all righty, so... Uh, First question for me, how do you keep a balance and make sure everyone in the family slash home is being loved and receiving proper attention? You know what? I want to pray really quick. Can we open in prayer? Father, I thank you so much, God, for your goodness. Father, for what what we're going to see fresh and new. Um, God, I pray for eyes of the Spirit to discern. Uh, Father, I pray for those that struggle in relationships, Lord, that you would encounter them. And God, you would breathe breath, the ruach, the fresh breath of life, your, your life, your breath upon them. And God, I pray hope to every couple. I pray hope to every single, every person that is um, wanting to learn or open to learn something, God, that you would encounter them this day through the feed uh, and in whatever way you want to do it, Lord. We just give you free will and we give you access to our hearts today in Jesus' name. All right, so how do you keep a balance and make sure everyone in the family and home is being loved and receiving proper attention? All right, Uh, I don't. I don't have a balance. I don't believe there's any such thing as a balance of perfect. There is no such thing. If people live in the home, human beings, it's impossible. Um, It's What I, I do is I try to read the temperature um, meaning that he gets a little grumpy, and I can tell that I'm being a little snippy. Um, so that's what I do. I try to hear through his love languages uh, to know uh, what, what, what ministers to him, what values him, uh, what shows him respect, what shows him love. Uh, and then I try to align with that. I'm not perfect, and perfect marriages are... Uh, there are no such thing as them. They're not. So we're together. Uh, he keeps saying we're together 31 years. We're not. We're together 30 years. It's all like a dream. <laughs> this week dream. is 30 years of married, not 31. So there you are, the imperfect right there. We're not married 31. We're married 30. And he's been quoting it for like weeks. It's At least 30. I was in the right decade. You know, I yes, got it. Yes, he was like in the in decade. The... That's good. That's good. So how did we get to 30? How did we get to 30? Uh, there's a lot of forgiveness. There's a lot of love. Perfect uh, love, uh, love covers a multitude of sins. That's a big deal for us. Um, love uh, is patient. Love is kind. 
It's not self-seeking. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, that whole thing. I'm constantly having to ask the Holy Spirit to see him with fresh eyes. That's how things stay fresh. But there's no such thing as a balance. Um, we've had trouble with children. We've had troubles with teens. We've had trouble with adult children. And our heart and our focus is always on the Holy Spirit. And our trust is our hope. We are always hopeful in what the Lord is going to do because of who he is, not what the circumstances seem. So we always try to build love. Uh, forgiveness is another thing. We're constantly, he's constantly asking me to forgive him, and I'm constantly saying I'm sorry too. So there's a lot of forgiveness. There's a lot of I'm sorry's. Why? Because it just adds love. There's something about if I misunderstood him and I was a bit snarky, or we have a full-on fight about something, because we do, um, we have to learn how to be gracious, and we learn to turn it off and maybe come back to it a different time, but there's no such thing as perfect, and there's no such thing as a balance, so, but we try to listen. We try to hear. We try to hear and learn the people in the house and discern what's going on with each of them. I just reinforce that, like what yeah. she's saying. Like in the beginning when we're first married, you know, you're trying to do everything perfectly, like the book. There's you no know, such thing. Or yeah. like the illusion of what marriage is, you know, what you think marriage is. But over time you realize that it's, it's, it's uh, balance is moments, you know. And so we, we have the same thing with our children. Uh, and I see it even with my adult uh, daughter who's married and she's married and her and her husband work different schedules and they have a young child and we try to teach her like listen it's not about oh we've got to have a perfect weekend you don't need to have a perfect weekend you need to have perfect moments um where did we just go where did I just take you where'd we go you're always taking me places I don't even baby. know Oh, we went to we went we went to we went to Cauley Square. Love and action, right? So it was a day that I'm realizing, and I can tell just by Sherry's uh, the Bible. Like for guys, it's like Adam knew Eve, right? That's the word, right? And that has like, of course, sexual overtones. He knew her, and she conceived, but it also means he understood her. And I think understanding your spouse really is important. And so I understand her. I can tell the temperature where she's at. And, and the other it's thing. It's obvious. I, well, yeah, it's it pretty obvious. It becomes obvious. Right. She has a resting murder face. That means it's, uh, it's not a good, a good thing. Um, I'm in a bad spot. Uh, but I try, to, I try to understand what her love language is. And uh, that's, a, that's a big thing. And if you're not familiar with the love language, it's been around for a long time. There's quality a, time, there's a, there's acts a, of service. Right, quality time and acts of service. Words of affirmation. She doesn't care about gifts. Yeah. I can bring her 12 roses and she, it's oblivious to her. But if I, take her, if I take her to Cauley Square and go walk around with the plants and get a tea, she's thrilled. Take and me so, to the park. Yeah, exactly. So Go to the park. Don't spend any money. We had to run an errand, and I'm like, oh, let's, I had to take, do a delivery. I had to mail something. And I'm like, oh, let's go to the post office over here by, by Cauley Square, and we'll, we'll go walk around Cauley Square. We don't have perfect dates either. We it's just, not perfect. We just go with the flow. It's, it's moments. We have very busy lives, so we just make it work. Right, and, and you make Birthdays it, get missed, and we just, you know we, what? It's birthday week. It's That's birthday week. Is. We don't have birthdays. Birthday we have week. birthday week. We have birthday week. Why? Because I used to travel. It's really so hard much. to hit so the I was day. Gone all the t- I would sometimes not be on the birthday or my right. birthday or the anniversary. So we have birthday week, and so now they love it, and we have birthday week. So it and, and then everything to... gets in it, and you don't have to worry about the day being something. So we just go with the flow. Grace, grace, grace. But grace. the balance also with your kids is trying to learn your child and learn your kids, and uh, it's the same thing. Like love language, it seems like a it, you know it seems like corny and it seems dated, but it has a lot of practical applications. If you've never read the book. 
I'm sure there's videos out on it, you know, like I don't read, bro. You know, okay, you know, that's how people are, but I'm sure there's audio on, the, on that or there's, there's video on it. And it's important that you understand the other person. It's understanding each other. That's really the, the key to the, to the program. So, um, Tom and Rose have been married 42 years. 42 years over here. That's right. Uh, our el- one of our elder couples, um, they have been married for two years, and it took, it took you 42 years to learn that person. So it, you don't have a 30, yes, how much? Yes. Still learning. Still learning. So you're okay. always, it's just a, it's a work Tom, in progress. Tom, you're still alive. Just like That's your a good faith. thing. Your faith is a work in progress. Your maturity is a work in progress. It's not a destination point. It's a journey. And so is your relationship. So is raising your kids. That's why God gives you them so for, you know, 18 years. It's because all the screw-ups that you make, the Lord is able to unpack them and re, uh, re-path it. So he's very good that way. All right. I'm okay. going to jump off the deep end. Go right? deep. <laughs> I'm just here to look. I gave Sherry more questions than me. So I want to make sure you I have, have a different chair because I wanted my leg to look longer. <laughs> I just want you to know that. That's what this is all about. That's why I, that's why I have a different chair. So here's my, I wanted a longer Here's leg. my glorious, one of the questions that are directed at me. <laughs> it says, if the body is a shell and it's supposed to be shed, then why do we have to keep it sexually pure? And part two of this question, is sex dirty or sex holy? So my first question would be to all of you, and, and I'm sure, let's see what kind of response you get. Is sex good? Okay. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And the in father whom there of is no shadow That's of turning. That's right. There's no turning. So sex is good. But you need to understand what sex actually is. So uh, uh, anybody know what we have at Turkey Point? What do we have at Turkey Point? A nuclear power plant, right? So a nuclear, a nuclear power, when it's properly contained, can power a city. But nuclear power, when it's not properly contained, can destroy a lot of things around it. Sex is just like that. You know, when you put sex in, inside its proper setting, it brings a lot of power. It brings a lot of energy. It brings a lot of communion. It brings a lot of bond. When you put it outside of its context and you put it into, a, into you know, whatever you, you want it to be, it carries with it a lot of destruction. And so that's important to understand it. God gave sex as a gift to us. That's why we enjoy it. That's why we're all here actually is because of sex, right? So I just want to share with you a couple of verses on this just so that we can see this properly. All right, so where am I? Your hair has a little tousle here. You like that? that We're talking about romance, so, you know, It's like a lot of little, like, like Brad Pitt, like Russell Crowe tousle thing, you know? Did you see that? You saw so like a little drop so curl. We're so Christians, right? So we want to know, well, this is one of the things that Christians always want to know, um, is that, you know, what, what's God's will for my life? Well, there are certain verses that are very direct and tell us what God's will is, and this is one of them. It says, this is God's will for you, that you be sanctified and you avoid, what? Sexual immorality. Why? That each of you should learn to possess your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So it's about honor. And then the second thing is not in passionate desires or selfish desires like the unbelievers. So the Christian is to treat sex not like the world treats sex. We're a peculiar people. We're in this world, but we're not of it. The way we handle our bodies, the way we handle sex is not like the world. The way we handle money, the way we go about our lives is not like the world. We're part of a kingdom culture, not a worldly culture. And so God says, not like the unbelievers who do not know God. 
And this is the manner that no one should take advantage of a brother or sister. In other words, stop defrauding each other and stop saying, hey, baby, I, want to, I need to test drive you before we get married. I want to lay hands on you, and I want to minister to you, right? That don't defraud one another. This is what it's saying, right? Exactly. Uh, the Lord, uh, the, uh, so it says, for God did not call us to impurity, but he called us to live holy. Therefore, the one who rejects this is not rejecting my teaching, but the Lord's. And it tells us to possess our bodies with honor. So this is the second thing. And then the scripture tells us here in sexual immorality, and here's Paul. He's so this is coming from 1 Corinthians, right? And so this is a very licentious church he's talking to. They had you want to talk about Christians gone wild? That's the book of Corinthians. Licentious means in, uh, in the original Greek, it means openly sexual. Well, whatever. Open yeah. sexuality. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. But the, the point is, is God's, he's making these statements to a very openly, a very openly, you know, like this is the same. Free flow. Free flow. This is the same church the where the son was dating his father's wife. In other words, he was dating his stepmother and he was parading her around the church. Sounds if like South Beach. Yeah, it sounds like Miami Beach, right? So if you're familiar with that. And so it says, um, and so the people are arguing with Paul and Paul's giving them a response. They're saying, I have the right to do anything. And Paul says, yes, you do. But not everything is beneficial. You say, I have the right. It says, but I will not. He says, you have the right to do everything, but you are to be mastered by nothing. And so here again is their argument. Well, food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. In other words, sex is for the body, and the body is for sex. That's what they're saying to him. And it says, but God will destroy them both. However, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but, the Lord, but for the Lord. So we're the te- as, this is for Christians. We're, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? By this power, God raised him from the dead. Uh, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? So I take the members of, of Christ and join him with prostitution. In other words, just love the one I'm with and just spread it all over town. And it says, um, uh, do you not know that you, you unites himself in prostitution? Is, it becomes one with that person and the two become six, uh, the two become one. And so what happens is, is what sex, one of the things that sex does, and well, let me finish this first. It says, flee sexual immorality and all, uh, every sin that a person commits is outside the body. But sexual immorality is committed against yourself. That's the one. And so it brings damage to yourself. It brings untold. It's the only sin We, we could line self. you all up, and you could all tell us stories about that and how the damage has, how the damage has happened. When the Bible says it be, you become one, it's literally like two pieces of paper being glued together. And so you get glued together, and then you separate. What does it, you, there's never a clean break. Then you have sex with the next person, you glue together, and then you separate. There's never a clean break. Until basically your life is just this little shard of paper, you know, that you've been you know, gluing and breaking with the, the whole time. And so it, it, you're, it, it's, it's, the Bible tells us it's a sin against our body. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we were bought as a price. In other words, you don't, so there are, the church's argument here is, it's my body, I can do what I want. And Paul's argument is, uh, wrong answer, you were bought with a price. You don't belong to you, you belong to Jesus. So you don't get to do what you want. This is a misnomer in the church. If you're watching my live stream, you think I can do whatever I want. No, you, if you're a believer, no, you can't. Not the if answer to that Lord. question is No. Because Jesus bought you. You're free, but you're not, but you, but you're not, but God is saying that, like, I can do whatever I want, and the answer to that question is no. So the question is, is the body's a shell, why should we be sexually pure? Well, because number one, you're bringing damage to yourself. You have a purpose in this world. The enemy wants to destroy you. And one of the ways he tries to do it is through sexual immorality. 
We all have drives. We all have sexual passions. We all have, you know, all of those things. It's, it's, it's part of the human existence. You're a sexual being created yes. by God sex that way. Is not, yeah. Sex is part of your identity. Yeah. It's part of your gender. It's not, it's not, it's not dirty in any sense of uh, that imagination or any, any sense of the word, but it is meant to be contained within the confines that God has declared it. You know, it's meant to be within a marriage between a man and a woman. That's, that's how God has designed it. So it's important that we realize that and that when you and say, well, I'm free to do it. Yeah, but you're also free to inherit the consequences. I had a guy tell me, um, hey, Kevin, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I told him, yeah, unless it's itchy and then you bring it home with you. Okay? So, you know... And CDC, Center for Disease Control, the statistics on it is one in five Americans have a venereal disease at any given time. One in five have an STD at any given time, right? Some are curable. He's trying to scare you because you should be scared. No, I'm just trying to give you reality. It didn't, you know, I I could make comments, but I won't. And the venereal disease is even higher in, in, in students in school because they think that, oh, I'm young, so it's no big deal. But it's not. It's, it becomes even more for them. They get more venereal diseases than the actual adults because they think, oh, well, I'm young and everyone else is young, so we're not really passing anything, and it's not true. Can I share something quick? Okay, I just wanted to share that uh, married sex, when you're, building, when you're building the relationship, you're building, just as you're building Talk an emotional sex, relationship, you're building a sexual <laughs> relationship. So sex in marriage should be the most fulfilling. Um, if it's not, then you need to work on it. That's really the truth of it. You just need to work on it. But jumping around, yeah, you're going to get fulfillment from jumping around, but you're not going to get meaningful, rewarding depth of relationship. And you do end up empty. You do. You do end up empty. And it's not worth it. It's not, it's not worth it. I, when I first came to Christ, I was in my uh, teens, and I thought, wow, this is 1980s, you know. It's no big deal what this Bible says. What? And I was like, oh, come on. Really? No way you can't have sex outside of marriage. I'm like, this is 1980. That's like the Stone Age. Who's not having sex you know, outside of marriage? This is a normal. But when I realized the, why God did it the way God did it, and I had it taught to me, listen, God, just like you understand certain aspects of the Lord, certain facets of him, you may not understand the sexual side, but you yield to him because he's, you make him Lord. You don't have to understand everything. You obey him because he's Lord. And it's worth it. Again, you'll find out years later things that you did just because it was right, just because the word says so, you will see the reward later uh, because of it. Our culture is trying to redefine what God says is true and it, it, or what God says is wrong. And we have to choose to be chaste and not just be sexual, but also to chase with our bodies, not show our private parts because they're private. You know, not run around, you know, like, oh, well, it's our culture. Well, no, you know, it, it's, it's God's culture. So that means you should have some chastity with the way that you dress. That means that you should have some uh, chasteness with the way that you act around women. You know, you shouldn't be like Mr., you know, uh, schmooze, you know, like Mr., you know, lots of drippy words so that the girls always give you attention or the women. No, that's wrong. You're not supposed to do that. The Bible calls it defrauding, defrauding. When you, when you lead someone on without the intention of wanting to permanently commit to them, the Bible calls it, de- calls it defrauding them, and you're not to do it. 
The heart is a very tender thing. And the Bible calls it in the Song of Solomon, a heart enclosed. And it's to be enclosed. It's to be protected. It's not to be an open gate, like a free-for-all, have at it, which is what the world keeps trying to indoctrinate us with. But it's a lie, and it leaves us wounded. And if you go in, this, go in the high schools and see how, what the kids are like from sampling everything, it's wounding. And the enemy wants to destroy them before they become old enough because they're trying to sow into their hearts so that they can, be, um, so that they can have the issues and the trauma before they even get going in the game of life. So it's very important for us to be aware um, and discerning and make sure that he's Lord. So this is a big subject. So, yeah. I, so let's talk about the good side of sex. Okay. Right? So the Bible says marriage Tell is... Tell me, baby. I will, yes. <laughs> right after I go home and do an act of service and yeah. spend quality time with you. Oh, gosh. This is so corny. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm um, gonna the Bible closer. says, Hebrews 13, marriage is honorable among... You get that vacuum out in here. I don't know. Right, I know. <laughs> marriage is honorable among all, and the bed is undefiled. But those that practice fornication are things outside of the way God has designed it that uses the word judgment. It's the word crisis. Those who are doing that, your life will be constantly in crisis. There's no blessing on relationships. So sex outside of marriage is called fornication, in case you didn't know that. right? So when we have sex outside of the covenant and the content of marriage or outside of God's design, the Bible says it's under judgment. right? Oh, I'm being judged. No, what it means is it's the Greek word krisis. It means crisis. And in other words, people that live together, cohabitate together, all those other things, right? Christians do it all the time. Just want to let you know. And, you know, we pretend that we don't. The Lord do knows it. you're doing it. Right. Even though but no one you, else That may. relationship cannot be blessed. It cannot have the blessing over it because it's outside of the context that God has designed. We have several people here at Elevate, multiple people that we've married that were living crazy lives. And the, the testimonies are always wild. They're just our relationship completely shifted. I said, yeah, because the Lord can bless it now. And so the idea is that marriage is honorable among all and the bed is undefiled. So, the, and so sex inside the marriage uh, is, is to be loving, is to be honoring. It's not, ladies, you don't have to be like Puritan. Take your hand off the cookie jar, right? And all the men said, Amen. okay, I got one. I got one, right? I got one, right? You don't, you don't have to be that way. It, you know, the, bed, the bed is undefiled. <laughs> Give the brother a cookie. You know what I'm saying? Give him the jar. Right. Take your hand off the cookie jar. Uh, and sex, sex is to be celebrated. It's to be loving. It's to be honoring within the marriage. Love and honor is everything. What's that ice cream, Baskin Robbins? How many flavors was it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But the, there's a, there's a, this is another context for sex in, within the relationship. Song of Solomon is another one. And it talks about the, it, it's a betrothing or an engaging relationship. The Bible's not silent on these subjects. And the Bible's not irrelevant on these subjects. God knows how we were designed. And he spent a long time integrating his word into our world in order for us to get instruction. And so God wrote his word through imperfect people, but it's still the word of God. And so you look at the Song of Solomon, and the Song of Solomon, um, it's about a, a man who's infatuated with a woman. And she actually, because she actually feels loved, and she feels that this guy really loves her, so she wants to give herself to him. Right? She's like, oh, I love this man. We're going to be together forever. Come, come, you know, come to me. And Solomon won't go. And Solomon keeps telling her, not yet. So here's what I would tell you, men. Everybody, I want all the men to say, if you're, not, if you're a single man, I want you to say this, not yet. Yeah, okay? And if oh, you're, oh, and if you're the women, you have to do like Beyonce. If you like it, you got to no, put but, a ring but, on but it. What, what happens is, is that a woman, when a woman feels a loved or a woman feels compelled in the righteous sense, 
she's going to want to naturally give herself to him. And Solomon said, not yet. And he put myrrh on the door, and he didn't, he didn't go into her bedroom. He just put myrrh on the door, and he left, even though she was inviting him to come in. He said no, and he just put myrrh on the door. And so he left. And then eventually when they get married, when they get married, there are three people in the conversation. So if you ever read the Song of Solomon, I'm not sure if you've ever have or if you're not, but in the, when, the, when the marriage is con- being consummated, there are three people in the bedroom, not two. And the third voice is the Lord. And so what you hear, ready? This is, this, is, this is Bible. So what I'm about to say is Bible. You're like, wow, you're getting really graphic here. She goes, when they're married and they come into the bedroom, she's like, come, my love, awaken north wind, blow upon my garden. That's what she says. And then he says, arise, pillars of ivory, strength I summon, you know? He says something like that. And then there's a third voice that comes into the room and says, eat and drink, my lovers, and be filled. And so the Lord speaks blessing over the covenant. These two are hot for each other, and they're about to go for it. And the Lord says, go for it. So you got to understand that marriage is not, marriage is not holy. We don't have sex between sheets. You know, we don't, you know what I'm saying? This is like, you know, that's how people perceive what Christianity is. That, first of all, that's not God at all. That's religion. God never, God made it to be intimate. He made it to be, he made it to be engaging, but he made it to be loving and honoring between the two people. And it's bonded for life. It's a lifelong bond. So what do people have issues in their marriage? With what? Uh, Sexually. Uh, Issues bonding, connecting, making things work, uh, struggling with openness. What would you say to that? Uh, It's usually a vulnerability thing. Uh, And it's usually, vulnerability is an issue with identity. And so you have an insecurity, you have a wound, you have a trauma, you have an identity issue um, that you have to work on. And you have to do, look, we're, we're all, we're, we're, we, if you want to go here, I won't, I won't go very deep, but you know, we're, we're emotionally traumatized. We're probably the most emotionally traumatized generation that's ever lived in the world. And so we have intimacy problems, we have relationship problems, and it's not mechanical. Most of the time it's wounds. When a man cannot fully give himself to the woman in, in a vulnerable way, it's because he has an intimacy problem. And that intimacy problem you can't fix. You've got to heal that internally. When the woman cannot give herself fully to the man because of insecurities or whatever it is she's dealing with, it's because there's a wound within her that is inhibiting her. It has nothing to do with the spouse. It has everything to do with you. Your inability to get vulnerable is not anybody else's problem. It's yours. Your inability to be intimate is not anybody else's problem. It's yours. Her inability to get intimate is not anybody else's problem. It's hers. You understand that? And so what happens is, is we, we, I begin to blame her for my own inability to bond. I begin to blame her for my own inability to be intimate with her or to give myself fully to her or to trust her that she won't harm me. And I begin to blame you for not telling uh, when I can't tell him what I want. So that's the other side of it. It goes both ways. Right. We don't tell our partners what we're looking for and what... what values and we don't work on the building of the relationship so it's just like you build uh learning how what bothers someone what offends them what makes them angry it's the same thing in you know in our intimacy we work at it we go through seasons but we still work at it and uh you know there's a lot of great stuff out there if you find that to be an issue i'm just going to throw it out there because it's it's super an issue and christians don't talk about this stuff enough uh but if you do if you have it there's great uh uh, retreats my we did um a weekend weekend to remember if anyone's heard of that um there's a you can look them up they're great they teach you how to learn how to talk to each other and they're great marriage builders. The whole weekend is just learning how to talk to each other and talk at each other. It's a lot of work. 
you, it's, it's awkward. You fight, too, because you realize there's stuff that's not talked about. And so, but it's, it's extremely helpful, and you use it in all facets of your relationship. So we probably did four um, of them, and then we also took people with us in other relationships. But listen, when you go through hard times... We have a lifelong membership to Marriage oh, Encounter. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We, we've been in so many counseling things. We've had so many. You know, I remember the one said. like you again? It's yeah, us. I remember the one, one counselor said to us, wow, you guys are like two lions that just tear at each other. I, I have like, never met thank you. two people in a marriage quite like you. What are you, you. trying to say? This guy says this to Is me. that a compliment? We're here to work on this. Is that what you're going to? That's not encouraging. That's not helping. So, but yeah. You know what we walked out of there going? We're special. We're special. We're special. <laughs> Well, we're both very strong people, two lions tearing at each other. Uh, But again, you know what? You stay in the game. You keep working on it. Don't cheat. Don't commit adultery. Don't play around on the side. Work at this. Take the time to work at this. The longevity of this for the future. If you have, then listen, if you've had a stumbling, there's forgiveness. You can always, you can fix things. If you've had mistakes in the marriage, if you've had issues with yourself, look, we have issues we still have issues. Ask our kids. So, but um, they're the great—they're the great reads of what's going on. So, but listen, if you, it will work out. Keep working at it. Right. Stay in prayer. Start asking the Holy Spirit. Ask Him how to intercede for the relationship. Things will change when you bring the Holy Spirit into it. So, so I want to take one more deal. moment on sex, and all the men okay. are like, "Please do." And please so do. the, you know, um, so well, me like, too. when I when I was young and early in the marriage. Um, and before I developed any level of communication skills, uh, this is, I'm just going to help you guys out. I, hopefully I'll save you guys some years. If you're, or if you're going to get married, I'm going to help you out here too. I would go to her, and my only, my, I would be like, I need sex. That would be basically my, oh, ah, need sex. Yeah, and she would go, she would Try to understand what exactly I was saying. I would saying. say I'm a good Christian woman. I no, don't know, you know, and but then I she, had all these issues. But her with understanding myself, so of sex, her understanding of sex was rose petals on the bed and uh, a romantic dinner and all of these things. And I would tell her, Sherry, sometimes I don't feel, come on, men, help me out. Sherry, sometimes I don't feel like opening up a combinated safe. You know, I don't feel like 20 to the right. 20 to the left, 30 to the side. You know, oh, I can't open the safe. Oh, what did I say? What did I do? And so what we learned in our marriage, right, because that's her need. She needs romance. She needs love. She needs that. That's a need she has. That's perfectly fine. I like that too. So here's what we decided. We have uh, snacks. We learned that from the marriage encounter. Right, So we have, we learned a language, a sexual language, right? They taught us that at the weekend to remember. Smorgasbord, drive-through, and then the other one. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, my love. Sorry. I'm stealing your thunder. I'm on a roll here. All right, so the men, the men are really listening to this. I'm telling you now. All right, so the, like we learned snacks, we learned um, dinner, and we learned smorgasbord. So not every time you have sex with your wife, ladies, does it need to be a smorgasbord. Oh, this is drive-through. I get it. And not every time, never, not every time. This is a drive-through. Not every time you have sex with your wife, guys. This is drive-through. Right, and not every time you have sex with your wife, guys, is it a snack. You understand? And so we would learn that. We, I would go, well, I'd like a snack. And she'd go, well, I'd like a smorgasbord. And I'd go. Or I'd say, how long is this going to take? Okay. <laughs> All right. You got 15 minutes. <laughs> Can I read a book? And I'm like. You got, what are you expecting from this? Okay, I can do that. That's fine. But you know, but, right. but this this was how this was how it happened because the way that we interpret this to ourselves based upon our needs 
and guys are with me, you just, it's like, it's like now, you know what I mean? It's like the wind is blowing and like, let's go. And I just want this to happen and I'm not really interested in having a smorgasbord. But so we had to create those spaces within our marriage. And so ladies, it's, it's important that you understand that, that sometimes it's a snack, sometimes it's a dinner and sometimes it's a smorgasbord. Guys, it's the same way. A snack is like boom, boom, you know, little boom, boom, ready, you know. Oh, we're getting ready for church. I know. Boom, boom. Let's go. You know? And, uh, and so it, it's like, right. So, right. But then the, the, the dinner would be where we spent a good day together and where we shared time with each other, you know. And I and, thought everything was supposed to be smorgasbord because I was like, smorgasbord oh. Smorgasbord to know, her is a smorgasbord. romantic weekend away. Uh, you have done the dishes, mopped the floor, and read a, and read a poem this. to me. You know, I mean, and that's, that's, it's not always like that. So I don't want to spend any more time on that, but I just want to give you guys some context okay. for like how it And how if you have works. any other questions, it's a guide. anonymously email right. or come and ask us Okay, afterwards. this I want you to answer that one. Yeah. Oh, this one? Do you believe that there is one God-ordained marriage? Singles, or do you believe there are many choices that God would bless simply because you enter into the marriage covenant? Great question. Yes. Okay, do you believe there is one God-ordained marriage, or do you believe there are many choices that God would bless simply because you enter into marriage covenant? Um, the choice is before you. So what do I mean by that? Uh, the choice is before you. You can choose. Uh, people choose. Okay, this, this is who I am riding in the car with in this life, okay? The person who is everything is Jesus, that's who is everything. This is who I am riding in the car with and I am running with in this life. I have chosen this. This is my choice. I, I chose it because I chose it. There are many choices in front of you. You are to choose wisely, okay? You are to choose wisely. Now, second part of the question, do you believe there's only one God-ordained marriage? Uh, no, I do not. That is my thoughts on it. I do believe this is God-ordained, and I do believe this is the one for me. But I do not believe that there are, if he should divorce me, that I am not able to remarry, if that makes sense, for the right reasons. He's going to talk about that. How do you, I know who the right one is, and how can I tell? Okay, how do I know who the right one is, and how can I tell? Well, I can tell you that one thing that I have seen over the years of watching people dating is that where you're Speak at on. is where you're dating at. So the, the, the temperature of where your faith is, what's your, what's your temperature, what your um, realm of understanding and the things of spiritual things is what you're going to date, okay? So does that mean if I marry an unbeliever before I was really walking with the Lord that that's now longer uh, blessed? No. It is blessed because in Scripture it talks about um, those that you, uh, if you are with an unbeliever, then it is blessed because they choose to stay with you. What does that mean? The Lord will work in that relationship. He's faithful. You have one that is everything to you, and that is Jesus. He's not everything to me. He's not. He will tell you I'm not everything to him. I really try. I really, 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 really try to be everything. Let me give you my long leg again. I really, really try to make this everything. It's not. It's never been everything. I fall short all the time. I'm human. However, Jesus does not. What would you say so to singles? If you, okay, I was just going to say if you're married to the unbeliever, 
um, if you're married to an unbeliever, Jesus is still everything for you. You can be married and be with an unbeliever as if that person is dwelling honorably with you, then the Lord will work in that relationship. I also believe that he will come to Christ in time or that woman will come to Christ. You can pray and it's according to the Lord's will. And the Lord says that if you pray according to my will, I, I hear you and I will do it. Now, the timetable of it, that's before the Lord, okay? That, or that's, that t- that's, that's a variable. Your question with dating. Speak to the singles. Um, well, with the dating part, um, listen. How do they can, find the mythical unicorn? How do they uh, find the one, you know? How do you find, uh, okay, how do you find the one? Okay, I chose Kevin when I was in a college group, I wanted someone who wanted to serve Jesus like I did. I was going to go off to Bible school, Rama uh, Bible school. I wanted to serve Jesus. The most important thing that I was choosing for was that. It wasn't the package, okay? Yes, he was hot, okay, to me. But he wasn't everybody else's cup of tea. He wasn't a trophy. <laughs> he wasn't the trophy with the BMW, with the... He didn't... You did have abs. You did. He did. I did have... I did. He did have abs. I was I was in Those shape. Those were nice to see when I got to see them, because we didn't I had a uh, sleep together too, before. So, you know. He did. And he needed some new hair and some new clothes. Yeah. So... And he was a little too skinny. So I'm not Italian, but I did like it a little fatter. So a little, a little fatter. So I was a size a 30 fatter. when I got so, married. Yeah, so. he had a 30 waist. That was almost smaller than me. So no, that was not <laughs> working. So anyway, so, okay, so what's my point with that? My point is um, I did not choose the outward. I didn't. I chose heart, and the Lord gave me heart. Uh, this whole th- concept, and this is, this is Western. This is also pagan. This is uh, worldly. When you choose someone that is hot um, or a trophy, he's a lawyer. Oh, he's a lawyer. So what? So what? She's, she's so hot. You know, she's got, you know, and she's so hot. You're wrong. You are, Samson loved the Philistine women, okay? And they were foxy and they were open, openly sexual and he couldn't dip in that pool enough. <laughs> He couldn't keep she himself pleases me. <laughs> off that smorgasbord table. He, ha- he loved it so much, he couldn't have just one. He was Mr. Baskin-Robbins. What is it, 51 flavors? He know. couldn't control himself. And when you feed lust and when you feed licentiousness, it becomes a ravenous hole, the Bible says. You will be enslaved and it becomes a stronghold. So what should you be picking? If you're going to pick God's best, it should be heart. Okay, it should be hard. Are you supposed to be attracted to them? Yes, but it's not supposed to be, whoa, he makes me hot. You're wrong. You are wrong. Listen, sexuality comes after, okay? We weren't sexually involved, okay? I did try to get him to lie with me once, and he was like, no, 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 we will wait. And I was like, no, yes, 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 right now. And he was like, no, 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 we will wait. <laughs> I was going to say it was you, but I, I'm going to be honest. I was a zealot. He so was. was. So. So the point was, he was a, he was a construction worker, yeah. okay? He just made a regular wage. I Women, when Joe you are jobber. looking for the hot guy with the trophy job, you're picking wrong. Listen, the Lord can give you, a, he gives us godly people, treasures in their heart. Treasures in their heart that he causes to come forth. 
if you let him choose and you forget about this whole thing with the external, because in other countries, it's not like that. We have, we've, we've watched the Kardashians. We've watched this junk on television and we've watched, read these magazines and we've watched these shows. It used to be 90210, whatever. And now we got all this other crap. And listen, here's where the mistake is. We're allowing them to define it. You should be marrying a godly woman or a godly man. And let me tell you something. When you put that first, all the chemistry comes into, into order. The Lord will cause the chemistry to work. But when you pick the hot one, you're wrong. And then you get, you get fire. It comes into your bosom. You're like, wow, but this guy had a BMW. This guy had a great job. This guy was so hot. All the girls wanted him. Yeah, and look what you got. You know, and when push comes to shove, you're going to have a little trouble once, once, uh, once you need some um, substance. The Bible calls it character. When you need some integrity, you're not going to have it. And listen, this stuff I keep trying to work on, but it's going to pass away. Okay? <laughs> this, the, you know, we're working on it. We're trying to keep in good gear. But all this stuff changes. And if you married for all this outward external uh, substance, you've missed it. And that's why you'll end up wondering who did you'll wake up next to someone and go, why? You, well, that's why you picking wrong. Be stewardly, be wise, be sober minded. Here's another thing. Okay. So I'm going to say this. Right, I knew she's money on, on this, mo- this subject. She's money now, on. Now, so I'm like, if you're dating talk to the single, okay, Sherry, <laughs> hold on. Here's the dating thing. I have it on my card, so I'll do it really fast and then we'll get to it. So here was it. How can I not be attracted to dysfunctional people? How can I find a wife or a husband when I'm not the pursuing type? So I want a Rachel or I want a David or I want a Boaz or something. Well, David wasn't perfect, okay? And none of them were. So if you're waiting for the trophy, again, the perfect guy, he's so spiritual. He's so spiritual. He has to be off the chart spiritual. No, he has to be godly. He has to be godly. He has to have a job. He has to be responsible, and he has to, be, he has to love God, okay? If you have the substance, you will get that person going where they need to go, okay? That's what two becoming one makes it. He adds to me, and I add to him. But this stuff, like, if you see any strength to this, this wasn't this way when we started. It was not. I was an unstable, uh, flaky, emotionally over-the-top, a little dramatic uh, person. I was. I was, but you know what was different about me? I loved Jesus. Yep. I wasn't per I wasn't like, whoa, look at her. She speaks every week. She's amazing. No, I wasn't. I was just involved. I was a person vacuuming. That's who I was. I wanted to serve God, and you know what I got when I got my first calling with a vacuum cleaner in Bible school. You're gonna be a pastor's wife. Oh. Here's a vacuum. Here's a vacuum. <laughs> so what did I pick? I chose to look. Uh, I didn't look for perfection. I didn't tell the Lord, he has to be blonde, he has to be 6'4", he has to look like this, or he has to this. I let the Lord choose, and then I obeyed him. And my, my flesh wanted to argue when it was time. I, I kept telling myself, well, you know, you're really smart, you travel, you shouldn't marry a construction worker. That's what the enemy sat on my shoulder and told me. You shouldn't marry a construction worker. You shouldn't marry an imperfect person. Yes, you should. Oh, yes, you should. You should marry someone who loves God. And that relationship will make you into something. He wasn't who he was, and I certainly wasn't who I am now. I I tell him all the time, I think I tricked you with my good looks, because I 
I put him through some trouble. Like Paul says, if you get married in this I'm life, gray, man. you're I'm asking gray. for some trouble. I gave I'm him trouble. I'm only 29 years old. Uh, I gave like him a, trouble. And a he, winner hit me. No, I'm just we kidding. both looked at each other and said, you tricked me. You tricked me. I never said that. You tr- I never well, okay, said that. Okay, t- you tricked I me. And again, you know, so, but what did I marry? I picked the right heart, and I, I listened to the Lord. Here's the other thing, and this is the other thing, and then I'll be done, because I think, okay, oh, I got the pursuing. Get Here's in the it. game. Talk about getting okay. in the game. All right. The, okay, so I just want to touch on this. Here's the deal. If you want to get married, you have to be reasonable. If you are, okay, and I know I'm going to ruffle, ruffle feathers, but I'm just going to say it anyway, because he's the one that you come and listen to every week's teaching, and I can just rub you the wrong way, and you'll forget, okay? Because you'll forget that I said this. So I'm not going to look at anybody, but I'm going to say it. Okay, here's the deal. If you are thinking that if you are, I'm going to say it really straight, okay? If you, are, if you are in your 50s, and you're thinking you're going to marry the 30-year-old, you, ha- you need to not be unreasonable, okay? You need to be not unreasonable. What do I mean by that? We have this weird thing that we do. We fantasize what we want. And we cannot be in fantasy world. The Bible says if you burn, which means you burn, and if you don't know what that is, you're not being honest. If you burn, you're to get married. If you want sex and you feel like you want it, you're not supposed to do self-sex. You're not supposed to be, uh, you know, out there dipping everywhere. You're to get married. Are you supposed to find perfect? There's no such thing as perfect. Find someone, believe God to work in the relationship, and get married. Put a ring on it, okay? If you can't find somebody, yes. If you can't find somebody, if there are 10 people that walk across your path that are very reasonable for you, very much in the window, like there's like a frame, and you have 10 people that walk by, and you can't seem to pick any, and for 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 12, 20 years, you have a commitment issue. Or you are unreasonable in what you're, what you're, what you're looking for. Because there's no reason. I had a friend... He had five or six people the Lord brought him. And I said, why can't you, Troy, get married? And he said, oh, I can't find anybody in this country. So he goes down and marries this girl who looks like Pocahontas down in in Honduras, brings her here, meets her at McDonald's. She's 10 years younger than him. She says, oh, I'm a virgin, I'm a virgin. Oh, I love you so much, I love you so much. He waited a year and a half, spent a whole bunch of money, I think 40 grand or at least 20. And this is 30 years ago to get here, and she comes pregnant. (laughs) And it ain't his. Okay, you know what the problem was? You didn't like what God brought in front of you. Listen, he's not everything, but he is everything. God's made him everything to me, if that makes sense. Jesus is everything. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm a 50-year-old woman and I've got grown kids and I'm looking at the 36-year-old, you're not being reasonable. Okay, I have a family member, she's uh, in her 60s, and she's like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm going to date these 40-year-olds. No, no, why? The, you got the... Yeah, yeah, she has a little bit of this, okay? And she wants the thin, thin, skinny guy that's like the trope, this thing. And I'm like, why are you going for that type of person almost half your age that's not in the same thing? If you like to eat, marry someone who likes to eat, you know? You know, if you got this, then let him have a little of this. Right. You know, but why are you, why are you trying to date someone 15 years younger than you? Get the guy with the Winnebago that likes to have fun and wants to live a life and not be alone. You know, this life is so short. Get someone to share the life with. And again, Paul says you're going to have trouble in this life, but it's still better than being alone if you don't want to be alone. 
But if you are alone, glorify God in being single. I have so much headache from being married and having kids. It's rewarding. But if you're single, you should not see yourself as anything less than being, uh, those that are married. And you should run the race. You should be making plans for your life. You should be tearing it up for Jesus. You should be going wherever. You should be guns ablazing and gender ignored. Go run, girl. Run. Do something for Jesus. Okay? This life is so short, you will turn around and half of it's over. Do something for the Lord. You know what it was crazy? Is I would, if I were to give you how I chose him, I was running. Other guys were interested in me, maybe even cuter. But you know what? I was running. I was following the Lord, pursuing him with all my emotional dysfunction, all my kookiness, just running after Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Just running after him. And then I noticed Kevin running near me. And I was like, oh, he's a good runner. He's a good runner. He's cute. Oh, but other people find him boring. Yeah, but I really get along with him. Okay, what are you doing here, Lord? Is this it? And the Lord told me, yes, this is the one. And I, I did what he told me to. It's that easy. It is not that complicated. Right. The young make these decisions easier because they don't know the fallout of it. We get a little older sometimes and we think, whoa, she's got baggage because I've met a couple of those. No, 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 no. If you did it outside of Christ, that's why you had it that way. If you know the bags, well, then you should still get married. Do you, again, do you burn? Do you, don't make fantasy of, oh, I'm going to get married one day in the sweet by and by. No, meet somebody. And here's the next thing. Get in the mix. If you're trying to, if you're fishing, well, then get in the mix. Jesus isn't going to drop him down the air vent. You know, okay? what do you think? He's going to peek over your house, over the fence and go, hey, I think you're to be my wife. <laughs> you're going to think, oh, this freako is stalking me. No, you're going to get out there in the mix, okay? You're going to meet people. You know why college students get, get married so often? It's because they're with other students that are single. So they're in the mix. Get in the mix, you know? Honor God. Date. Meet right. people. But control yourself. You should be able to control yourself. If you go out to dinner and you start drinking and you just get wild and crazy and you can't control yourself and you act like the world, well, then you need to fix that. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't date. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be in the mix. Meet some people. Get out there. Be around people and find someone and then get married and deal with your junk as it moves along. But then you're not alone. But just don't play around. That's my big thing. Don't play around and don't say that God didn't bring you anyone because he will. He's faithful. I, I, I don't know how many people I watch. Oh, there's uh, five people walk by. Oh, but that's not. Oh, okay. Well, why? Because you have the issue. You don't want to settle. You think someone's got to be perfect. Well, you're not perfect. All right. You may think you are. You may right. think you're the cat's meow. You're the catch. No, you're probably not. And you're going to find out how much you have to grow in relationship. Because this is, you know what? Here's the other thing. This doesn't make me happy all the time. But you know what the Bible says? It will make me holy. That's right. So I would give you, I'm going to give you, um, I'm, I'm trying to squeeze time okay. here because we want to get a couple more in. Okay. But, um, if you're uh, mad at me, just, you know. Just, I would just say the principles, the principles of, of attraction are important. Okay. There has to be spiritual compatibility. Hey, get in the game, get right? In the so many game. Christians, well, I'm just waiting for Jesus to bring him to me. Look, no. don't, we don't, we're not in the world. We're, all, we're not, there's so many opportunities yes, in, in the world. Your grandma didn't have the internet. Your grandma, you know, dating sites. Oh, I don't like dating sites that go out to dinner. This is what women tell me. And they go, and they, the guy wants to have sex with me. I'm like, well, then go down, don't go out to dinner with him. Meet him for lunch, meet him for coffee. You know, don't get, him, get drunk with him. Get him off. Yeah, exactly. Don't go partying with him and pound a few glasses <laughs> of wine and wondering why it's going where it's going. You know, yeah. go to lunch with the guy. Be pure. M- 
Meet him for friendly. Listen, meet him for coffee. Get him off the list real quick. Bring him to church, right? The gospel, they're either into Jesus or they're not, right? Trust me, they come here, they're going to go, whoa, this is too much for me. You guys are really serious, man. I thought this was some religious thing. You're going to see whether they gravitate towards the Lord or whether they don't. That's going to tell you because the, the, the draw is, we're created this way, spirit, soul, and body. There has to be a spiritual equality. Which means if you're a PhD theologian and doctrine of divinity, you're probably going to have a hard time marrying somebody that's, a, that's a, a nominal believer, right? Because you're just spiritually, you're on a different level. But, you have to have a, but if your heart is for Jesus, you will never be satisfied with someone who doesn't have a heart that burns for Jesus. You'll never be satisfied. It's an unequal yoking, even though it's with a Christian. You have to be emotionally compatible, which is intellect, spirit, soul, and body. There has to be a connection. What my pastor told us when we got, I came up to our pastor and it's like, hey, Pastor Rick, we're getting married. He's like, hey, I'm all for it. You know, and he's like, I know you guys for a while. This is a great match. I'm, I'm happy for you. And he, he looks at me, doesn't look at her, and he goes, I just got one thing for you. Kevin, you're going to be out of bed more than you're in it. I just want to leave you with that. In other words, you better have something more going on in this relationship than just some kind of sexual attraction, right? You better have some emotional compatibility. You better have an ability to grow together and converse together and kind of, you better have that going on. So spirit, soul, and then body. What happens in the world is we lead with a body. We lead, this is what we do. This is how guys are. I'm looking for my wife. Where is she? You know, it's how they do. Whether, whether, they, whether they want to or whether they don't, this is how, it's a secret note. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, um, but whether they want to or whether they don't, you know, we're not, you look, we're supposed to be attracted to people. We were attracted to each other. I thought she was beautiful, but I thought, A, she's out of my league, and B, every guy in the well, church. Thank you. Every guy in the church was trolling for her, Right. And so every single guy, and, and I'm like, totally and I'm true. like, yeah, There's no, like it's true. Couple. Oh, it's true. No, it's totally true. It's definitely true. They're like, hey, come meet this girl. I go meet her, and there's like four guys sitting with Sherry at the pizza place. It was singles groups, you know. Doesn't matter. That's how we are. I remember so the first time I met her, though, and I always thought she was beautiful, but I didn't want someone that was that way. I was looking, I mean, this, I was like the zealot, so. He liked long-haired girls with, like, blonde no, hair. No, 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 no. I liked a friend of hers, though. This is true. So I liked a friend hair. of hers. And so Sherry would be like, like blondes. why don't you like Kevin? He's so amazing. And because I, I was, like, into this other Darkest girl. Darkest And then she, she looks at Sherry and says, well, if he's so amazing, why don't you marry him? And Sherry's like, oh, wow, that maybe I should. But maybe the, I will. But the point was is that our attraction to one another was based upon a passion for Jesus. Now, like, I'm not saying, like, like I'm, like I'm, like, all in. That, that's just me, man. I'm, like, Jesus all in. I could not ever be happy with another woman that wasn't all in for Jesus. It just wouldn't work for me. I don't care how attractive she was to me. The heart had to be there. When you prayed, you were asking for a David, weren't you? You are were asking for a heart, okay? She was asking for a heart. David I was asking perfect. someone. I was asking for someone who could, that I could give love to. Right, so neither one of us. We, it was we were looking for we were looking for the different reasons. David had issues. Everybody has issues. But we, if you're if you're if you're single, spiritual compatibility matters. Emotional compatibility matters. Right, not just physical attraction. Yeah. That's what that's where we end up in the we, we end up blowing it up. And you're like, well, I'm not going to marry someone ugly. I got news for you. There are lots of beautiful people in the world, right? And we are attracted to people for different reasons. She finds me attractive. She said, I've always liked guys like you. You've al you have always been my type. And I'm like, really? Well, there we go. You know, so she always liked my, my type of, I don't know what she calls it, but she, you know, she said, I've always liked 
like guys like you. Russell Crowe. And the guys, the guys that were trying to get her were all of the Mac guys, you know, Brad all the guys, Pitt. you know, all the guys like, you know, <laughs> flashing their Lexus key and, you know, showing Kevin off Costner. their watch and flipping their hair back. Yeah, Sherry, you know, they're all like that, but she had no interest in them. And so, but my point is, is like the person that you, that the Lord has for you is going to be attractive to you. There's going, and listen, and if you want to, I, I can tell you a lot of stories about dating and how people got married. I knew one guy, he was so into this girl, he loved her. So men, if you're a single guy, take notes. I'm about to give you a key. You can get that woman to fall in love with you if you can get her to pay attention to you long enough. I was right? dating somebody else, by the way. And yes, he that, that's another, we don't have time for this. I want to do this. I notice do this. him that way. I just want to do this. Yes. I want to jump off this. And this I want to is a good this, point. Because this is a big one because we're running out and of time. I knew it. I knew we were running out of time. Yeah. But, the, but the point being is that, so uh, this guy was really into this girl. And she's a beautiful girl. She was a nice girl. She had a lot of things going for her. But she was really into him. She, he was really into her. And she was not into him at all right? Not into her at all. She was like, no, nah, he's not my type. No, he's not my type. He kept, he kept being kind to her. He kept being gracious to her. Not macking her. Not like, oh, you're so he was beautiful. That way. Yeah, you're just he so was that amazing. Way he was kind. He was helping. And that, he was kind. You were helping. Her, his kindness attracted her to him. It wasn't his biceps. It wasn't his car. It wasn't his watch. If that girl's attracted to you because of your car and your watch, you're in trouble because you're not always going to be driving that car, and you're not always going to have that watch. How do you know? Because I've lived this life. You go up and down, bro, you know, and there are seasons of life that change. So if, you're, if your marriage is based on vanity, you don't have any hope at all. But, she, but he won her with kindness. He would, he would give her flowers. He treated her special. And then lo and behold, within a year, they were married, and it was crazy. And I was like, how in the world? And I asked her, I, I, I know her name, and I asked her, I said, I, I go, I, what, so, because I would talk to her, we were friends, and I said, so what brought you around to this guy? And she's just like, he's just so kind to me. She's just, he's just so amazingly kind to me. I was dating someone else, and he would pray with me about this other person that I was dating. And I would say, no, this is the Lord. And he would say, okay, well, we'll just pray the Lord's will. And I would get mad at him because he was praying that way. But the Lord, because I had the fantasy of what I wanted, and I was actually looking in the wrong direction, which is why I'm saying that. I had this ideal of what I wanted, but God actually had known the ideal of what I needed. And so he was sitting right next to me. And it took me over a year to figure it out that I was, he was She kept more, saying, I don't want him, I don't friend. want him. Because she had a word in her yeah. heart that she was going to marry a pastor from the time she was a little girl. Because she, I, I come from a different context than Sherry. Sherry grew up in the gospel, right? I did not. Uh, that, I grew up in the Holy Spirit. Well, she grew up in the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. She grew up in the Holy Spirit. I did Holy not. Spirit. So I come from a different, a different world. So when she was a little girl and, so, and she had a word given to her, a prophetic word, that she was going to marry a pastor. And so her whole life, that was in her heart. And so she's getting ready to marry me. And I'm remodeling houses. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing my own thing. I got a job. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. And she'd look at me and go, You? Right? And, and like, she didn't say it to me. She liked me. She was attracted. I told the Lord, this isn't what I'm looking she for. She was attracted no, to me no, as a person. Listen, it wasn't, yes, it wasn't me as a was. person that she wasn't I said attracted to. the Lord, to. I'm not, no. She was not attracted yeah. to the package or the exterior of my life. And she would ask me questions that I didn't always give. The, she'd say, don't you have any desire for ministry? 
And I'd say, well, I feel like I'm called, but I don't really feel like I want to be in the ministry because, again, that was my context. I believe that the minister, all the ministers that I grew up around or that I had experienced were all very vain and were all very, you know, sort of self-focused. It's all about me. And I'm like, I'm not that person. So, no, I don't want to be like that. That was how I understood it. Then all of a sudden life goes on. We get married. And all of a sudden, about two years in, I go, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And then she starts freaking out. She's like, oh, Kinda my like gosh, oh, my years. gosh. You know? He was more like so, But the point, the point was is that the, the, the attraction yeah. to me and the confirmation to me was there, even though the external part of my life didn't represent what she saw in her heart. Do you understand that? So because, and you know what? If I did it without her, I wouldn't need her, ladies. Right. Ladies, you need to pay attention self-made. to this. Self-made. Right. Don't I'm gonna get tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now, ladies. If he can do it without you, he doesn't need you. He doesn't need you, which means at any point in the marriage, he's going to go, I was there before. I don't need you. I'm done. You, the marriage, you grow together. I become what I'm becoming because I'm married to her. She becomes what she, we build a life together and we become inseparable by it. That, that's, that's the, I just want to say also, if you date dysfunctional people and you have a habit, one of the questions was, you, I date, always go for un, dysfunctional people. If you keep dating a certain type, then get yourself some godly right. people around you that are mature and spiritually mature, that you bring that person around and you say, am I dating the same type? And that person will say, no, this is, you're in the wrong zone again. Or bring them, if you have godly parents, bring them to. If you, have, if you keep dating uh, dis, in dysfunctional ways, then you probably need some healing for You trauma. have dysfunction. Just as another You're thing. attracted. You don't like yeah. Johnny Nice Guy. You like Johnny that breaks the plates. Yes. Why yeah. do you like the violent? Why do you yeah. like the arrogant? Why do, you like, you, why do you like the rough guy broken. and not the guy that's yeah. loving and kind? That's not the person. That's, that's a you dis- like bad boys. That's a dysfunction. You like bad girls. That's a dysfunction with you. Yeah. If you don't like the beautiful... Or it's something that's unrefined. Right. It's if not you don't been like the beautiful yet. girl or the beautiful woman and the godly girl and you're a Christian and you're, you're attracted to the booby Instagram model all the time, that's, not, that's, not, that's an issue with you. You are attracted to something else, and that's a brokenness within you that you have to resolve, right? You're driven by a compulsion or a hunger, and there's something missing within yourself that you have to fix. So if people say, well, how can I stop attracting dysfunctional people? You know what my answer is? Stop being dysfunctional. Heal your dysfunction. You are magnetically attracting a dysfunctional person because of the dysfunction in you. We're all dysfunctional, so let me be clear on that. But when you were talking about extremes, I keep dating all of the psycho women. Well, there's something in you that's attracted to that psycho woman. I keep dating this type of guy. I keep dating this loser. Normal ones are boring Normal to me. ones become boring Somebody to you. normal. You have to have drama well, in your life. For you. Well, what's broken kind. with you that forces you to have to want to have drama in your life all the time? Right? There's something about that. I've, met, I've talked to women and men for years, and like, I, I don't know, I'm just not attracted to him. And I'm like, well, tell me about your previous relationships, and they're all the same. It's this pattern of explosive drama. And I said, so what's dysfunctional? You feel that if there's no drama, it's not normal. That's what you feel. There's something broken in your past and something broken in your understanding and something broken in your heart that you have to heal because you're being attracted to dysfunction. You're not attracting dysfunction. You're attracted to dysfunction. Just a thought. So what's my answer to that? Heal your issues. Deal with your junk. It's not perfect, man. This isn't, this isn't perfect. This, is, this isn't, it's, there's, there's idealism and there's reality. So the ideal and the Fantasy. reality, they, they, they seldom meet. So I want to finish with this one because this is so, 
Sex and singleness, those are two big topics. And here's the third one, all right? This is a pretty big one. And so I, hopefully I've given myself enough time to do this. I, you know, so are we going to go through different questions in second service? Maybe. I maybe. have a question from Shelby. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I got eight minutes. Because we had 15 and we've went right. through I know. Uh, I've got, seven. I got eight minutes to take down this Absolutely. topic. So this one is aside. This is basically it's on divorce. And, and, uh, and so aside from infidelity, is divorce ever the right course of action? All right, so I'm going to read something to you, and I'm going to read to you Matthew 19, and I'm going to explain this to you, and then I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about divorce, and we're talking about remarriage, okay, all in eight minutes. So buckle up, because I'm about to fire hose you, right? <laughs> so the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And, and uh, so just contextually, what's going on here is that what they're asking Jesus is, can I trade my 40 in for 220s? That's what they're basically asking him for. Because in that culture, women were not allowed to divorce. That was never God's design. I want to be, want to be clear. The rights that, the, that Judaism took from women is not in your Bible. The Lord never displaced the woman in, in, in context to relationship or functionality. The religion of Judaism displaced him. Jesus is the emancipator of women. He's not the enslaver of women. And so, but in this culture, women couldn't divorce. They had to, even if that guy was they a total. They had no rights. He, they had no rights. At but all. the man had rights. And so the man could divorce the woman at any time because he was tired of her. And he could give her a certificate of divorce. If you've ever read the New Testament and you wonder why there's so much prostitution in the New Testament, because it's everywhere. Everywhere Jesus is going, he's running into a prostitute, right? So what's going on with that? Well, the woman had no rights and she was very limited within the society. So when a man divorced her, he basically stripped her of all economic means. And so she was allowed to do business for herself, but even there she was restricted because she was a, it was woman, it was woman-led. And so oftentimes these women, in desperation, their husband has left them, owes them nothing, leaves them and this woman is destitute and she's, ha she's forced to, to do the only thing she's left with in that society. There was no social network. You understand? She couldn't go down and get assistance. She couldn't go down to get... So th there was all this prostitution. Jesus actually rebuked them and this is part of the rebuke is because he, they, were, they were systematically causing this in their society because they were divorcing for any reason at all. Okay? They were just saying, I'm sick and tired of this. We have irreconcilable differences. Get out of my house. Literally, you talk too much. Literally mean it away. means to put her away. So the you man, don't clean my clothes fast enough. The, 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 Jewish, the Jewish law, not God's not word, life. the Jewish law allowed, allowed the man to put her away, which means she leaves the house. The woman didn't get the house. They didn't divide assets. So you went back he, to your parents he said, if you could. He said, I'm done with you or you went and you're to out. The and, so, and if your parents were dead, well then, oh well. There's, there's no one to support you. And so this, this is the context that they're asking Jesus this question from. So it's important to know that. And so they said, is it lawful to divorce for any reason? Watch. Jesus says, have you not read in the beginning God made them male and female? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. They are no longer two. They are one. Jesus establishes the ideal of marriage. This is the ideal. So he gives us a context of what God's intent was. This is important. So because everything he's about to say is in reference to his intent. Before he answers the question, Jesus says, this is the context in which marriage was created. This is the context and in, in the intent that, that marriage was designed. It was designed for two people to be married for a lifetime. That's the design. Right? And it says, so why then did Moses command us to give a certificate of divorce? And he says, because of the hardness of your heart. So what was happening in the Old Testament, the men were complaining, I want rid of this wife, this woman's killing me. And they complained so much to Moses, and Moses complained so much to the Lord that the Lord said, fine, tell them they can give a certificate of divorce. And so they were allowed. And they're asking Jesus, does the law super, supersede the intent? 
Well, Moses said, God said, this is the intent and this is the design. And their counter to that is, well, the law says. What they're saying is the law is greater than the intent. And Jesus says, no, you're wrong. The intent is greater than the law. My heart, what I intended to do, is greater than the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law does not, does not trump my created design. That's what he's saying, if you understand what I'm, te- what I'm saying. They were trying to say, well, the law says, and Jesus said, it doesn't matter what the law says. It's what my intent was. It doesn't matter what the law says. It's the way I created it. And, the, and so in this situation, it's, and the, so it's better not to marry. So Jesus said, Moses permitted you. And so all the, all the men are like, well, then we shouldn't marry. You mean if I can't trade that 40 in for 220s, what, what's the point? I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't marry. That's what they all start doing. And Jesus says, Jesus says to them to this, um, it says, no one can accept this word. It's for them who believe it. But what he says here is, is oh, I want to get to the point where, where he's talking about divorce. Uh... I tell you, he who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And he who, mar- who, com- who divorces his wife and, um, for any other reason other than sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. So we have to look at the word adultery, right? So adultery is sex with another woman outside of your marriage. This is true. But adultery also means to falsify, and adultery also means to corrupt. So if I was to say Alex gave an adulterated uh, uh, version of that book. Am, am I saying that Alex had sex with the book? That's not what I'm saying. Alex falsified the meaning of the book or Alex corrupted the meaning of the book. When Jesus is saying, if you divorce for any other reason, you are falsifying the intent of the marriage. If you divorce for any other reason but sexual immorality, you are corrupting the intent of the marriage. And what he's saying to the man here is that when you divorce her, this isn't about you going free, bro. You are falsifying the intent of what I designed a wife to be, and you are corrupting what I intended the wife to be. So it's about that. So does that mean we can't remarry? Does that mean somebody who's divorced, this is the church, right? Right? I'm going to give you guys an answer, right? I'm going to give you guys an answer. This is how I relate this stuff. I talk to the Lord about this all the time. And so I ask the Lord this question. I'm like, because the church, because this is the, this is, so there's two extremes when it comes to divorce and remarriage, particularly, and I'm going to give you other reasons. There's not just one why divorce is allowed in the scripture, but they would say, well, the church takes this position. You married, remarried. This is the extreme position. The extreme position says, you divorced that wife for no particular reason at all, and you've remarried, and therefore the church does not recognize this marriage in the eyes of God, and so it's not there. Well, first of all, God didn't say that, but the church is taking this position. And so I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm asking the Lord about this, and he's showing me all this stuff, and I'm, I'm, I'm grooming it with him, and I'm saying, okay, so what, what is the church's position? Uh, the church says that this marriage is not acceptable before you because they use this word adultery, and so that it's not honoring before you. And the Lord answers me and says, well, then what about adultery of the heart? So if they're saying that this marriage was, this marriage was divorced outside the context of adultery, and therefore it's not acceptable to me, Therefore, this marriage is not acceptable to me because it was outside the confines of adultery. What about adultery of the heart? Does that mean our heart? Because our hearts commit adultery all the time. Our hearts are defiled all the time. So what the Bible is telling us here is that marriage is sacred. Marriage is to be honorable. Divorce is a last option. And if you divorce for a reason other than sexual immorality, in this context, you are defiling, you you are falsifying the intent of marriage. Understand? And you are corrupting the intent of marriage. Then there's other places in the Bible. So it's sexual immorality. If he or she dies, you are free to remarry, but only in the Lord. Then there's abandonment. So if, the, if one or other of the spouse abandons the marriage, then you are free to, you are free to remarry. Then there's also the understanding of abuse. They say, the Bible doesn't talk anything about abuse. This church has had, this is, I'm going to tell you how dumb we are as Christians. The church has held this position for centuries that the wife needs to stay with that guy even if he's beating the snot out of her. Uh, okay, 
no, I'm just telling you. This is where churches have held this position. It's completely wrong. They held this thing that the Bible doesn't say that. Exodus 21, it's speaking in the context of a servant. And it says, if, I have, if you have a servant and you strike that servant so that you cause harm to that servant, a bruise, a mark, or anything, the servant is to go free and you compensate them. If that's the standard for a servant, how much higher is the standard for a wife or for a spouse? And so abuse is absolutely grounds for divorce, 100%. So you have abuse, you have abandonment, you have death, and you have uh, sexual immorality. Those are, those are the legal grounds. Those are the acceptable grounds. And if there's divorce for any reason than that, it's considered a falsification. You, you just need to know that you're, God is telling you you're falsifying my intent of marriage. You're, you're corrupting my intent of marriage. D- does this make sense to you? I know this isn't the way, the way this, is, this is what the Bible says. Because the church, so people have this, this struggle, like, oh my gosh, my wife divorced me for a reason other than adultery. I know a pastor whose wife left him, and they stripped him of his ordination. They pretty much kicked him, kicked him out of the denomination. He wanted to work on the marriage. She didn't want anything to do with it. And as soon as she divorced him and left him, no matter what he pleaded and begged to do, the church literally stripped him. Oh, that looks like Jesus, doesn't it? That's something Jesus would do. That, that's, just, that, that's not what Jesus would do. So the context is, is that we are to treat marriage sacredly. We are not to flippantly divorce for any reason. You, you're, you're, you have to, divorce is an absolute last option. Well, there's no immorality. He's not dead. He doesn't abuse me, and he hasn't abandoned me yet. So what other reasons can I use to divorce him? And, and it's not just physical abuse because people, well, he's not hitting me. Well, you know, there's really bad situations where women or even men are in, and it's very abusive, very abusive. So the believer who has abusive. divorced, I'm out of time. So yeah. that's a fire hose. Did that make sense? Did that make sense? Yeah. No, two of you? Okay. I'm probably challenging you with questions that you don't, you're like, whoa, wait a second here. But the, the, the point, the, the, the understanding is, is that, when, when, for, if you are divorced, the Bible, this is Romans, you are permitted to marry, but only in the Lord. If you're a believer, it says that the one who is free from the marriage is, per, is permitted to marry, but only in the Lord, which means you're supposed to marry a believer. That's, that's, that's again, that's the ideal, but I don't even have time to unpack that. So did you guys so get anything out of this? I mean, I'll, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to answer the, the divorce question more on the front side. So anyway, we love you. We thank you for streaming. We bless all of you, and we pray that you got it. And we'll probably answer a couple of different questions next, uh, next service that we didn't answer. Yeah, we answer had yet. half the questions we didn't get to go through, so <laughs> We have like 15 questions. I told Sherry, if we get to five, There's I'll be There's a lot of juicy ones, too, right. like really good ones, right. controversial. So you could stay if you want to hear uh, some of those new ones. <laughs> Let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down mm-hmm. upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may you live in peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week.